Asbury Church. Hope everybody's doing well. Today we are starting a new series called Home Improvement Series. Home Improvement Series. We're going to get you great tips for improving your home, your home life, and make sure you have a solid foundation for building upon. Throughout the whole series on Wednesdays, and Pastor Dave will talk more about this, but we will be continuing the conversation. So if whatever we discussed on Sunday, you can show up on Wednesday at our Lansing campus and continue the conversation. That'll be a lot of fun. Are you guys ready for them? We have some great pro tips yeah, for you. Each week, we're going to do some pro tips. And so we've got a few for you this week. So the first one, I get to do the first one. I learned this for cooking. If you're breaking eggs, you know you're breaking eggs in a bowl, and all of a sudden you get a shell in there, and you're like, ah, I got a shell, and you're digging it out. The best way to get in a shell is use a shell. Use one of the shells to dig it out. It sticks to the other shell. It's a good pro tip. And you don't have to put your fingers in it. You don't have to put your fingers in it. <laughs> all right, pro tip two. When you are traveling, which you know I love to do, tie something bright to your luggage so that when it comes down the carousel, you can find it easily and you don't end up with somebody else's bag or they don't end up with yours. It's a great idea. Also, so the next one, I don't like to iron at all. Some of you may have noticed that before, but I just learned this. If you like your buttons on your shirt, you turn it inside out and iron over it. I we seriously just learned that this week. So, so wrong side tip. out shirt. Wrong side out shirt for ironing over the buttons. Awesome. Right. All right. This one is like premier pro tip and it's, it's going to change your life. All right. Change life changing tips. That's what we're all about. When you are eating Oreos, put a fork on the Oreo and then you can dip it into the milk without using your fingers and you have a perfectly dunkable Oreo. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Last one. This is great. When waking up your children, you need to use something like this. Pro tip. It'll, they'll love it. They'll It'll love it. They will. They will. And so. Ours we, do. Ours love it. We, it's fantastic. <laughs> Let me tell you. So we want to make sure, if you've got some pro tips, we want to hear them from you. We don't want this to all be just us. So you can fill out one of our Connect cards and leave it on your seat after the service. Let us know or email one to asbury.ag at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your pro tips for life and relationships and all that stuff. So have fun. We look forward to sharing more pro tips next week and we hope we get to share some of yours. All right, well, how many are ready for some home improvement? How many are sitting next to somebody that needs some home improvement? How many know the biggest room in the world is a room for improvement? Yeah, some of you, you're like, oh, that was kind of cheesy. I heard it from another pastor, so I don't even own that one. So, hey, we want to welcome you to Asbury Church again. We're beginning a new series on home improvements. How many know about the dunking the Oreos in the milk stuff? How many dunk your Oreos? Okay, how many just don't like crumbs in your milk? So I have a pro tip for not getting crumbs in your milk. Don't put them in your milk. <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> so hey, um, we are starting this series entitled Home Improvement. Back on Easter, we uh, had people fill out a questionnaire. We asked the question, what is an area where you would like to see improvement in your home? And we got a whole bunch of fun answers. I want to give, share some of them with you. Some put, people put down, we would like to find time for family time. Some people said spend more time as a family and less time on the internet. Others put help our children understand our ever-changing world that seems to create more confusion. To create a space that the atmosphere is happy and joyful. Somebody put down, the way I want to improve my home is to live without stress. Okay, how many know you can't live and not have stress? How many know living is stressful? So there's only one remedy for living without stress. Not living. And uh, pro tip. Um, so anyways... Some people put down how they'd like to improve their home. They'd like to bring their family closer to God. Others were wrestling with the idea of trying to raise a family in a God-centered home 
when one of your family members chooses to follow the world and not God. Another person put, boy, it'd be great to have more finances. And the next person put, finances and more peace. Balancing busy schedules. Somebody put down, I need soundproof walls. And I'm not sure what's going on there, but that'll be a fun one. Uh, Following through with how we want to be. Parenting well as a single mom. How to handle expectations. Organizing in the home. And so you think about how to improve your home. And and so we're going to take time over the next few weeks just to really think about home improvement. And when we do, we have a big idea or a big objective we're trying to accomplish, and that is this, to encourage and equip individuals and families with practical, biblically-centered teaching so that every home may better reflect God's peace and purpose. I want to break that down. We want to encourage and equip. How many know that, that, that living can be just a challenge? Whether you're in a family, whether, you live in, whether you're alone, you know, it doesn't matter the, the state or the place that you're in, that, that life can be incredibly overwhelming and even frustrating. Uh, I, I like to, to explain when you're talking about frustrations, frustrations is the gap, I think, between expectation and experience. How many of you have gone into things and you had high expectations and then you had an experience that didn't measure up? And the greater the gap, the greater the frustration. And and we go through life and and how do you do this thing called family or home? What what does marriage look like? And and we come to the table with all these different things and and, and sometimes it can be, uh, we, we wrestle with it. And so we want to encourage our families. We want to encourage our individuals. Uh, and not only that, um, to, we, we believe deeply. And the reason we do this is, is we believe deeply that God cares about us and He truly does want to bless our homes. We, we believe that God's desire is to bless our lives. The, the problem I think that happens with God blessing our lives is sometimes we get in the way of God's blessing. Anybody here get in the way of God's blessing sometimes? And, and, and so part of it, God wants to bless us. He wants to pour out love and favor upon our lives. And, and, and in so doing, the blessing I believe God wants to bring to our lives is He wants us to have peace in our homes. How many would just love to have a little peace in the home, right? I remember the story of the two young boys for Mother's Day, and I would probably share this next week, but I'll share it this week just for fun. They, they wanted to do something special for mom. They knew growing up they were a little bit of a headache to mom. Anybody here a little, were you a little headache to your mother at times? How many of you, that was you, right? So these two boys thought, we need to do something special for mom. Uh, we'll, we'll get her flowers. So they went to the flower store and they found the perfect arrangement for her. And so on Mother's Day when she went in, her mother, the mom gets to the table and there's their two boys. They're so happy and proud of the flowers they got. And right across the middle of it was a ribbon that said, rest in peace. And... Um, <laughs> You know, as moms, there's, you know, or dads or just families, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had peace in our homes? Yet sometimes our houses, our, our homes are not filled with peace. And I believe that God wants to bless our lives with His peace. And, not only, and, and when we do that, we, we actually create the conditions so that our lives may flourish. We believe that God not only wants to bless us with peace, but He also wants to bless us with purpose. Because God has an intention for every home. God has an intention for every life. And and when we can get the home stuff, and we we get the home stuff right, it helps the purpose of God become manifest in and through individual lives. Now, I recognize in our congregation, we have a whole lot of different diversity. So when we talk home, home means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. There are some people, as we talk about homes, you're like going, hey, I'm single, I live by myself. What does that mean to have home improvement? There are other people that, that they're, you're, you're, you know, they're single parents. That there's families with small kids, families with teenagers. How many here love being in a family with teenagers? How many know there's a special odor to homes with teenagers? It has a special essence, right? Um, some homes, we're, we're families, we just got adult kids. 
And now we, we have generations now where, where it seems as though like grandparents, you thought you were done raising your kids and you seem to be raising the next generation. It, it, it's kind of interesting as you look at what, what is family and, and, and you know, what we, all, we come to this from all sorts of different places. And no matter where you are, we believe that God wants to bless every home and He wants to release peace and He wants to release purpose. And our hope is that as we do this, we're going to provide some practical ideas to, to help, help everyone begin to implement them in their lives. Now, I'm just cautioning you. So, like, I've been preparing this, and I have way too much stuff for a Sunday morning. Some of you, you'd like going, dude, if he starts talking on this, we're going to be here till, like, forever. Because how many know there's a lot of work that needs to happen in a family, right? The only reason I know that is because you should see my family. We, we got a lot of issues. I remind my children that I am giving them a reason for therapy. And um, because that happens in every home. And so one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to do something a little bit different. So every Sunday, we're going to present, in a sense, a big idea. And I just want you to know, as we present this idea, this idea, uh, the big idea that we're going to present on a Sunday may have the potential to ruffle a few feathers. It, it, It may cause a little discomfort. Um, it, it, may, it may begin to challenge some of your ideas and thoughts, and, and we're, we're just trying to present something from a biblical standpoint because God has a purpose for homes. And so I'm going to say some things. It's going to make people uncomfortable. And this is what I want. I want this to be more than just me telling you something. I want this to be a conversation. So I've done pastoring for many years now, and I've walked with people, and and I have walked with people in all sorts of different circumstances, and what I have found that has helped people grow is not only do they encounter ideas, but they have an opportunity to wrestle with ideas. And so what we're going to do on Wednesday nights is we're going to take time to wrestle with ideas. We're going to meet here at 6.30, and and we're going to have some fun conversations. We may have some uncomfortable conversations. In our culture, have you noticed that there are a lot of conversations that go on that feel uncomfortable? And sometimes it just seems really easy just to shut things down or, well, we're just not going to talk about that. But I believe that family is so important, and I believe that home is so important that we actually have to have tough and difficult conversations. And the reason we need them is so that we might experience the blessing of God and and so that our homes may flourish. And so on our Wednesday nights, we're going to take the idea that we're going to share, and then we're going to be able to wrestle it out. It's an opportunity for you to come with your questions. You can come with your criticisms. You can come with all sorts of different things. I'm going to say stuff this morning like, I don't like what Pastor said. Now, you can send me an email if you want. That's fine. But I would rather be able to have a dialogue. Because I think that there's something God wants to do in each and every one of us. And so we're going to have some fun conversations on Wednesday nights. And we're just simply calling it continuing the conversation. Because what is said here is not the end. This is just kind of the the beginning of some ideas. All right? Additionally, what we want to do through our time is we want to make sure that we're taking time to pray for our families. Um, I know between every Sunday, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in every week. And I know that, that, that as, as humans, we, we, we bear not only the wrestlings of what's going on in our days, but, but we wrestle with relationships and we d- deal with the burden sometimes that our kids are going through or, or maybe our parents are going through. And, and we're just like, going, you know what? We, we need God's help. And I want you to know that, that we here at Asbury Church, we want to be walking with you, journeying with you, and praying with you. And so following the services, we're going to make time available for everybody to be able just to come. And if you have something you want prayer for or prayer with, we want to provide that. So in doing that, I have to hash, ask for your help. So you know what amen means? It means race to the restaurant, right? Like that's what it means. It's like going, you hit the final amen, and it's like gone. And so can I just encourage you, because I still want to say goodbye to you. I want to give you a hug and all those things. And, um, and, and so even though we come right to the end of the service and we hit the final amen, please don't be quick to leave, because I'd still love to greet you, but I'd love to take time to also pray with people. So if we can accommodate both of those, that would be awesome. All right, so today I want to talk about foundations for, uh, for flourishing, foundations. Now, how many of you like to build and do renovations? Okay, so I love to build. I love to do renovations. I love to, I, yeah, I love to work with my hands. I love having ideas in my head and then manifesting them through, like, building. It's just, oh, man, it is so, so rewarding. And um, so I've done a lot of it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, 
Um, I, was, I was asked to help in a situation and, uh, with, with a church, and there's a, there, they, they have a parsonage. And um, one of the things that they're doing is they're looking for this parsonage to be uh, ready for some residency for people to live in it because some people haven't been living there for a bit. And they're like, going, we got to do some stuff on the parsonage. And they're like, we're not quite sure everything that needs to be done. And I'm like, well, I've done a little bit of stuff. So, so I'll go in and I'll look at uh, the, the parsonage. And so I went in and, and I went through the different pieces. And then I went down into the basement. Now, how many like dark, damp basements? How many love, you know, basements are always fun. And I remember going down into the basement and I came down the stairs and I looked at the walls and through the block wall, I could see daylight. And there were cracks. And there was, and, and you could, there, there was, there was, it looks like there was different work that was trying to be done, but, but the foundation of the building. And, and then additionally, instead of the uh, walls being vertical, they were beginning to fall in. And like you, I'm like, ooh, how many know that's not good? How many know if the foundation of the building isn't good? You can do lots of work up top, but it's not going to be an enduring thing. It's the foundation that matters. If you don't pay attention to the foundation, you, you can build and you can spend time trying to improve all this stuff up here, the stuff that, that people see. But what will happen is in time, all that work can quickly fall in. Does that make sense? And so as we begin this whole series on home improvement, I, I want to think about the idea of a foundation for flourishing. Now, as we think about this, I think it invites us to reflect on the question, what are we building on? What is the foundation of our home? What, what, what is the thing that, that, that we're saying, hey, you know what, this, this is the thing that, that, that everything is going to rise on. Now, I recognize that we live in a culture that, that has ideas about foundations for living that are very different from God's Word. And, and I, wanna, I just want to kind of confront an idea that, that is prevalent in culture and manifest, I believe, too often in God's people. I believe that this cultural pressure and practice has the incredible potential to ruin and destroy individuals and homes. Yet so many people are, are in a sense, sucked in by this idea that, that it becomes the foundation upon which they build on. And I'm just simply going to refer to it as consumerism. Now, consumerism is actually an economic term. And, 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 and there, is a, there is a benefit to uh, consumerism in regards to economics because consumerism has to do with the protection or promotion of the interests of the consumer. But the danger is this, is that sometimes we become preoccupied with a cons- or, or we begin to live with a consumer mentality and, and it doesn't just affect our economic transactions, it actually affects our relational transactions. You see, right at the root of consumerism is, is the need to um, satisfy our appetites. So when you hear consumer, you hear the word consume. How many of you like to eat? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I know, you look at me and you're like, going, oh, he likes to eat, I can tell. I actually do. I actually love good food. I love, I love to be able to like just, oh man, just to get a good sandwich or like a good, like good steak and you just kind of like, oh my goodness. And, and there are moments that I just, I just crave a good meal. How many here ever crave a good meal? Right? You're like, oh man, I just, oh, you know what I feel for now? Now, I know it's going to happen after church. Some of you are going to go, what do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. What do you want? How many have had those moments? But you're like, I don't know what I want, but I know that I need to eat. And here's the thing about a consumer. When we live off of appetites, appetites are never fully satisfied. So you can have something really good yesterday, and then today you're going to like, ooh, I need to eat again. 
So yesterday I had, a, I had an amazing Reuben sandwich. How many love Reubens? Okay, so I used to hate sauerkraut. Now I'm like, oh, sauerkraut and cabbage on bread with like Thousand Island dressing. Oh my goodness. And I'm getting smarter, so I'm beginning to replace French fries with salads because like I'm over 50. And how many over 50 you have to replace fries and salads every once in a while, right? Man, I had this. It was, it was so great. And you know what? I woke up this morning, and I'm like, going, dude, I need to eat again. I'm hungry. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how good it was yesterday. I've got to do it again. And you know what happens is if we live from a place where the foundation of what we're doing is simply the satisfaction of appetites, we'll begin to find a problem in, in doing life and doing relationships because we'll find out what was satisfying yesterday may not be sufficient for today. And sometimes we're like, I just need something different. You see, when we live in this consumer-centric kind of society, what we're actually doing is we are putting ourselves at the center of our lives. It's about my wants, my desires, my needs. And I've watched homes try to be built upon the foundation of self and, and, and these appetites and these desires and these needs. Yet what ends up happening, because it doesn't meet the need at some point, as consumers we say, well, if I don't like it here, maybe I'll try it over there. One of the byproducts of a consumer culture is a disposable society. That means when something stops working for us, we throw it away and we try something else. If we perceive something broken, we say, I'm done. When it stops meeting our needs. And just so you know, this is prevalent in our culture because how many people have been in relationships and said, you know what? I'm not happy anymore. And their own happiness, their own desire for, for satisfying self is at the foundation of their home and their relationship. And then when it doesn't work, it's just like, okay, I am done with this. I think this is a danger that many, even in the church today, get sucked into. That we see things from a consumer mindset of how does it make me feel? If it feels good, I'm with it. If it doesn't make me feel, I'm out. It happens with churches. I like what's going on in church. This is good. But, but when church says things that maybe I don't like, there's like, I said, I'm done. I'm going to find something else. And what happens is consumerism becomes the foundation upon which we're trying to build. And if you try to build a home upon this appetite type stuff, what ends up happening, you'll find out is what was good yesterday may not be sufficient for today, and everything then begins to tumble down. So I want us to reconsider a better foundation. And the idea for a foundation, one that is not built on our appetites or, or what we consume, it's actually having a foundation that's built on a biblical word called covenant. Covenant. I'm going to explain what it is in a moment, but my big idea is simply this, that covenant provides the necessary foundation for healthy homes. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. And then we're going to look at verses 21 through 25. But I just want to read this brief passage. And, and just as I do, just kind of understand the setting of what's going on. The children of Israel have finished taking, finished taking possession of the promised land. The desert wanderings are behind them. And they are now ready to live in the land, to build homes, to build families, and to build a future. But before they begin this building endeavor, Joshua gathers the people together at Shechem to renew the covenant. After recounting the faithfulness of God to bring them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land, Joshua says these words. He says this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. 
Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Just real note, he's saying here, listen, you have to figure out what's going to be your foundation. The ideas of your time or the ideas of God. The gods of the Euphrates or of Egypt, the, the, the gods of, you know, the, the gods of America, the gods of our culture, or the God who saved. He goes on to say, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. How many have heard that before? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you drop down to verse 21, it says, The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord. That was their callback. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. Now I want to note three quick things about covenant. First of all, covenant is a foundational commitment. Right at the root of it, covenant is a foundational commitment. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, I would simply ask you, what is the fundamental orientation of your life? Who do you serve? Do you serve yourselves? Your appetites, those things that you want and need, is that the thing that is master of you? Or is there something different, something higher? Joshua stands before the people and says, guys, listen, we've come out of Egypt. He's delivered us. He's brought us through the desert. We've overcome the enemy. And now we're getting ready to build our homes. We're getting ready to build the future we've been hoping for. And he says right at the beginning, so who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Upon what are you going to build everything from this moment forward? Upon what are you going to build? We'll see at this place that Joshua makes a covenant with the people and the people make a covenant with God. I want to explain real quickly what a covenant is. It is a commitment between two parties that is rooted in law and love that is serious yet optimistic. I want to read that again. What is a covenant? A covenant is a commitment. Everybody say commitment. Oh, don't you hate that word? It's a commitment between two parties, or more, but at least two parties, that is rooted in law. Everybody say law. How many know law means you have to? Right? Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. And love. Everybody say love. How many love love? Yeah, we won't talk about loving love, but we'll talk about love, love maybe later. But it is a commitment that is both serious yet optimistic. So a covenant as an act of law. So back in Joshua's time, what would happen is there would be a, a legal process that you would go through to enact a, an alliance, a commitment a covenant. And that covenant was something that would bind people together. It would involve obligation upon both parties. And with that obligation came responsibility and accountability. Now, as you think about this, the, the moment you start talking about covenant as law, we're like, we are not under law, we are under grace. But, but let me tell you one of the, the benefits, in a sense, of contractual law. Because part of what was going on was contractual law. And, and, and what contractual law is, you all do this, how many of you have ever signed up for a loan or a mortgage or something like that? 
and then you read, they give you all this documentation that you never read, lots of little writing, and then you get to the end of it, and then you put your signature on it, right? So that's a contract. You know what the benefit of that contract is? Is it actually seeks to provide certainty in the midst of uncertainty. How many know that our world is actually filled with uncertainty? Okay, and, and, and there, there's this aspect, like, you don't know what's going to happen this week. You don't know what's going to happen next month. There's things you hope to, right? There are things that can change. You, you know the thing, you, maybe you've been in the place where you had a job one day, and then you show up to work, and they're like going, hey, just want to let you know, um, you don't have a job anymore. And what you thought was certain is now no longer certain. And then you're in this like, oh my goodness, this isn't even good, and you feel that anxiety. Well, with contract law, what's going on is they are seeking to develop or enable certainty for uncertainty. So let me talk about this relationally, because you're like going, so you're saying relationships are contracts. Actually, it's way higher than that, but I'm just using this as an analogy. Do you know what commitment in relationship seeks to provide? Certainty for uncertainty. So think about the trip that you made, or for those of us that have made the trip down the aisle. And we stand with an individual in this thing that we call a wedding, which is a religious thing, but it's also more than a religious thing. There, there's actually this part where there's a binding via law. And then you say words like this. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. Did I say in sickness and in health? Okay, then let's do it in sickness and in health. And then I'll say this at the end. As long as we both shall live. Do you know what a wedding seeks to provide? Commitment to a relationship. Certainty for uncertainty. And this is so important because part of what covenant is, is it is about certainty for uncertainty. How many know life has its ups and downs? For all you people out there that are way above 20, how many know you ain't 20 anymore? And there's lots of changes that happen between 20 and where you are now. Some things you didn't expect happened, things that did, but it goes up and down. But what it is, is a commitment that takes you through time. It's a commitment. It's a commitment through time. That's what a covenant is. Not only that, it's, it's not just law, it's love. It's not just because you have to, it's because you want to. How many of you, with your mortgage, when it comes to mortgage time, you have a deep, you, like your heart is so moved when you have to make your mortgage payment. Like this just makes me feel so happy and valued and important. How many have that moment? because we'll pray for you in a bit. Um, but but, what, but th this idea of covenant is not only just the, a matter that we've made this commitment, but there's something about the heart that leans into it. it it's, about that, it's when a heart is inclined toward another, and with it comes this devotion. I will be faithful to you. Through the ups through the downs. See, a covenant has law and it has love. Now, in our culture, okay, so now I'm going to start poking. Poke your neighbor and say he's going to poke. Okay, you didn't do it. Okay, he's going to poke. So let, let me tell you, in our culture, we treat relationships in a disposable or in a consumer kind of way. And so what we do is this, is we say, you know what, I would rather just live with a person and say that's my commitment to them rather than making a covenant with them. Covenant is essential to build. There, did you know that there are actually stats that living together before marriage actually produces more disharmony in marriage? than marriage. And part of the reason is because the commitment going into it looks a lot different. This is why throughout the church's 
thing that, that it's been like going, hey, listen, there, there's this covenant that we call marriage between one man and one woman that takes place before God, and it is till death do us part. And the reason is, is because when, when that relationship is broken, it wrecks and ruins people. And this is why when things, when we talk about covenant, covenant is something that is serious. It, it, it's significant. It's, it's, it's not to be entered into lightly. Yet we do it because of the optimism that covenant brings. We covenant because we believe that together there's something better for us. Like the reason we enter into a covenant with God. So our relationship with God is actually covenantal. And just so you know, it obligates not just us to God, but God to us. It's a beautiful thing. This is why we can trust God in prayer. This is why we know He's going to be faithful no matter what. Because through covenant, God has obligated Himself to us, and we've obligated ourselves to Him. He does it not just because He has to. He does it because He loves us, and He pours love to us, and we return love back to Him. For him, it was incredibly serious because instead of just some whim, he gave his life on a cross in order to establish that covenant. So when Jesus says, as we celebrate it at communion, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the new relationship. It's not something just, you know, whimsical. This is something significant and serious. And with it comes this amazing optimism because you know what? Because we have faith in God, because we have this relationship, we are convinced God has a better tomorrow for us. And what covenant does is it gives us a sense of a better tomorrow. The reason we enter into it is because we know that together, like more than just this idea of, you know, well, you make me feel happy for now. It's like, listen, I recognize that together our lives moving in the same direction with the same passion, the same focus, the same end. That you know what? There's, there, there's a life that comes in the midst of every up and every down. It's optimistic. So I say a covenant is a commitment between two parties that is rooted in law and love, yet is, ser is serious, yet optimistic. And this covenant then becomes foundational to everything that we do. Did you know that, that, that this covenant then um, informs our values, what is important to us? Because we've made this commitment, all of a sudden we're saying, this is what's valuable to me. It informs our vision of where we're going. It informs our virtues of how we behave. I say again, covenant is a foundational commitment. And if you're trying to improve your home without addressing the foundation, you can do lots of, you can spend lots of years, money, investing in things, but I want you to know that those suckers can fall in and then everything that you're building on can just quickly fall apart. Secondly, covenant making and covenant living is actually an act of the will. It was Joshua who said, choose this day. He didn't ask them, hey, you know, you know, do you feel like being in covenant? How many know if you base anything on feelings, you're setting yourself up for just chaos? Because how many know feelings are not static and they're not always moving up? How many know sometimes you, you don't feel in relationship like you want to be there? Don't raise your hands, husbands. Thank you. <laughs> That would be way too much counseling. But you know what? I mean, I found out when I got married, I found this out about me. I don't always wake up loving. Right? Like, I don't feel it. Like, there are days I don't even feel like getting out of bed. I mean, you have kids, and there are days you don't feel like taking care of the kids. Right? Is something you're like going... I'm supposed to take care of my kids? That's a different story. See, covenant making and covenant living is actually an act of a will, of the will. It is the decision that I have made. I have chosen this, and because I have chosen this, this is how I'm going to live. This is why Joshua says, as for me in my house, like, you get to choose, your neighbor, you're the person next to you, you all get to choose how you're going to live. But for me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Now, 
I want to tell you, this is why you want to come Wednesday night, because I'm going to poke. Get ready to tell your neighbor he's going to poke again. I think single people need to wrestle with this. Because if the person you think is right for your life has a commitment, a foundational commitment, fundamentally different from you, and you think, well, we'll work it all out in marriage, you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt. How many know marriage doesn't fix things? It just magnifies things. Come on now. Okay, I'll, tell that, I'll teach that one later. But you want to come Wednesday because I think this is one of the things that we wrestle with at times is what we do is we make our commitment to Christ secondary to our commitment to the people we think are going to make our lives feel full. And when you do that, you have made another person an idol. And what that idol does is it keeps you from seeing, hearing, feeling, and living the life you were created for. If you, don't, if you want to push back on that, join me Wednesday night and tell me how I'm wrong. Covenant is a decision. It's a decision. And, and I want to note one last thing because I'm going to wrap here. Covenant requires regular renewal. Okay? So first thing, covenant is a foundational commitment. Secondly, covenant making and covenantal living is an act of the will. And the last thing I want you to remember is that covenant requires regular renewal. That in our lives, there are things that we do to remind us again and again and again of the commitments that we have made. Why do we come to church on a weekly basis? Covenant renewal. It's a reminder who's my foundation. Why do I, you know, like when it comes to, to marriage, why do I celebrate anniversaries? Because it's a reminder of the commitment that I've made. Why do we do communion? It's a covenant renewal. It, it's the reminder of what Christ has done for us. It, it's that it's we come into that space again and say, Lord, again, here's my heart. Your body heals me. Your blood cleanses me. My hope is we have a better future because of you. We go through all those elements. Covenant requires renewal. Okay, fun conversation we can have Wednesday night if you'd like. What is intimacy in marriage all about? Covenant renewal. It's the reminder that you are giving yourself to another. And that it's not just about you. And when you make intimacy all about you, you have a way to ruin a relationship and undermine the foundation of a building. Because intimacy in marriage is about covenant renewal. And part of this covenant, like, and that's not the only one. Like, there's a whole bunch of things. But see, this is the foundation, because if you don't get the foundation right, you can build, 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 and then just give enough time, it all fall down. I've been around long enough, so I've been, I've been around 51 years, 51 times around the sun. I have watched this play out over and over and over and over and over again in and through the church. I've watched, I've watched people that I have loved dearly, followers of Jesus who approach relationship from a consumer mindset. It's about what makes me happy. It's about what makes me feel good, that, that this person is adding value to my life. And then because it's really not a covenant and it's more about consuming, all of a sudden we say, you know, well, I, I'm kind of done with that. And I've watched it happen between husbands and wives. I've watched it between parents and kids. Man, I've watched this play out, and I've watched people again and again, but, but I'm just so lonely. I'm just so... My appetite is just, I just have this appetite. And what ends up happening is they set themselves up for a whole lot of hurt. See, God says this, listen, I want you to experience life, fullness of life, and the way you experience life is through covenant. Covenant is the foundation. 
It is the thing that everything gets built on. It begins first with our covenant before God. And I don't care whether you're single, married, whether you're single, hope to be married, you know, however it is. It always begins with a commitment to God. Because if you don't establish that foundation, you can begin to build things up and you'll see things fall down and break. It begins there. It begins with a, having a commitment toward others. Like part of covenant in, in, in relationship. Um, it's saying, you know what, I've made my choice and I am living with my choice. I've made my choice before God. I've made my choice before people and this is my choice. I know some of you, you're praying for your choice to walk through the door. You'll come. But I want you to know that this idea, if you've got to establish my, my number one covenant is with God. And then my next covenant that I'm going to make is going to make with that significant other in my life. And that's my decision. And I would tell you, make that decision wisely and not foolishly. Not based on appetites, but on covenant. The third thing I just remind is not only is our covenant uh, with God, with other people. But part of this idea of covenant renewal is that we have to actually be intentional about covenant renewal in our lives. The, rem the reminders who our covenant is with. So we're going to talk about, I know one of the things that comes up here is what do you do for family devotions? How do you do family devotions? How do you help raise kids so that they can like glorify and you know, live for God and all those happy things which we want? And I would just simply say, the way you need to begin to understand family devotions way before the how of doing it is you need to understand that family devotions is all about covenant renewal. It's about reminding us, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You need to do this as spouses. Like, for every spouse that's here, every day there's an opportunity for covenant renewal. You grab your spouse's hand. You say, hey, you know what, is there anything I can pray with you about? You share with one another and you take a couple minutes at the beginning of your day and say, hey, I'm just going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to acknowledge the God who has created us, who we are in relationship with, who we believe has brought us together. And we are going to believe for him to bring us toward a better future. You may be single. You know what? You can start your day with covenant renewal. Lord, I begin this day simply by saying I am your child and I am choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to wait upon your purpose and your timing. I seek to receive your peace. And when you begin your day with covenant renewal, you'll begin to find out that the foundation of your life is being laid so everything can get built up upon it. Covenant provides the necessary foundation for healthy homes. It is a foundational commitment. It requires an act of the will. And it requires regular renewal. Joshua asked the people this question, and this is the question I'm just going to simply end with. When it comes to your lives, when it comes to your home, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day. Choose this day. Hey, if you want to, if you want to pursue the relationship stuff the way the world says... Hey, make that your choice. Instead of bringing the life you think it's, gonna, it's just going to bring hurt. And I want you to know that, that there's a lot of hurt that people go through that God never intended simply because we've chose things the world's way rather than His. He would also say this, choose this day who you will serve. Hey, do you want to follow the gods of the land or the God who's brought you out and brought you through? And my prayer is that we would respond simply as Joshua did. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that, that God, you challenge us that we might know flourishing. God, I know everybody here longs to live in a place where they... They encounter and live surrounded by your peace and live in the fullness of your purpose. 
Lord, it's that thing that our hearts long for. Lord, it's, it's that thing that, that Lord, we, we keep reaching for, yet sometimes falling so very short because, Lord, we think that we're going to find it through these different things that the world promotes. Yet you are the God of covenant. And you long to bring peace. And you long to pour out blessing. And God, today we want to just make it our determination that as for us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord Jesus, you will be the foundation for our living. You will be our hope and you will be our peace. And just with your heads bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what? My response to the question of who I will serve, I choose to respond like Joshua. And simply say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand saying, you know what, that's my, that's my decision. It's my decision. This is what I'm choosing to do. See those hands. Lord, you see every hand. You see every heart. Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us wrestle through these things. That, Lord, we might allow you to be our foundation. Lord, I know that we need grace. Because, God, in our lives, there is a broken foundation. There are cracks. There are gaps. There are things that are leaning in. Yet you're the God who heals and restores and repairs. And so, Lord, even as we make our decision, Lord, we're asking that you would shore up the foundation. Shore up our lives. God, our homes may reflect your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so this is how we're going to end. Pastor Dwayne and, and the team, they're going to lead us in a song. You're welcome to sing if you'd like. If you're here with a spouse, I would challenge you, or as a family, I would just challenge you, take hands and just pray with and for one another. And just in your words before God, say, God, this is what I'm choosing this day. And maybe you'd like prayer this morning. Maybe there's some issue that you guys are dealing with as a family. And you're saying, hey, would you just pray? Would you believe with me about? Uh, I'm going to be down here out front. Levita, you can, you can be on this side. Um, we're just going to pray with you this morning. Uh, just as, as the worship team leads us. And then we'll just close in a moment. Thanks.